If you're turning with me in your Bibles, I'm going to start. I'm going to read you the, the verse we were in last week, and we're going to go somewhere different with it. In Proverbs 18, um, verse 20 and 21. We'll start there, and then we're going to jump around a little bit because God's just been really speaking to my heart on this subject. And I had a lot. I had some last week that I didn't get to, and then built on it some this week. So. So last week I talked to you about the power of the tongue, right? Remember, and we talked about in James where it, it likened the tongue to the body as like a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder on a ship and how powerful your tongue is. And today I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about your words, the words that you speak, and your mind. Because anywhere in Scripture that I can that I can find it talking about your words or talking about your speech or the things you speak, it's always closely connected to your heart or your mind. So we're going to talk about your words and your mind. There are words inside of you waiting to be released. Think of it like that. Think of it like there are all these words inside of you and there may be a compliment or a word of encouragement or a prophetic word or there are all kinds of words that are in you. And if you're like me, there have been a lot of times where you have not let those words out. You've not said those things. Even just now in the end of worship, I felt like I was supposed to say that about hope, like a word for somebody. And there have been times in the past where I've just said, nah, that's dumb. God, you show them. You showed me. You show them just as easy, right? You're in them, you're in me. You tell them. There's a lot of ways to talk yourself out of letting those words out. But if you think of it like this, you can also have bad words in you. Negative words or insults or slander, gossip. There are all kind of bad words you could have in you too. Right? But think of it like this, like if you're pregnant with words, just like in the natural, if you're pregnant with a baby and that thing never comes out, you never benefit from the son or the daughter. The world never gets to see it. It never grows up. It never becomes something big or powerful. Those words, those good words and those things inside of you, if you never let them out, they never grow up. They're never going to benefit anyone around you. Or, and those negative words, you do let those things out. And then we have to deal with that evil little bratty word kid that you had all the time. It's good or bad either way. That's why we read in Proverbs. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're about to read it. You'll see in a second, life or death. There are words inside of you waiting to be released. See, words are like energy. When your words come out, they're like energy. Have you ever heard of a pep talk? You know what that is? That's using your words to create energy or adrenaline in someone. And it works. It does. Like you can, if you're a good coach or a good just hype man you know they pay people to be a hype man you're not even very talented you're just good at pumping the crowd up 
And that's as good as being talented because you're talented at that. Like for our camps, journeys like hype man. Pump people up. (laughs) Different people are good at that. But what is that? It's using your words as energy to pump somebody up, to, to give them a pep talk. So they have what they call high energy words. That's positive words. That's what you would use in a pep talk. That's the pump up words. That's positive words. Or as scripture would call it, life. Words that give life. Words that bring life. And then they have what is known as low energy words. That's the negative words. That's the words that pull you down. Say you're in a good mood and you're all happy. And then somebody comes in and throws a couple of words together that just sticks a pin in your balloon (sighs) the low energy words the heavy stuff the weight the negativity the mama gonna cuss you out all that low energy words Dr. Emoto I'm probably saying his name wrong forgive me you can go look him up he's done some pretty incredible studies on the power of words Dr. Emoto. Um, And he did some studies on water where he took water and put it in different tubes and then he spoke words to different tubes of water. People thought he was stupid and I don't know who was paying this guy for all his research, but anyways, he, he had some pretty cool findings. If you go look at it, you can see like pictures of the water After he spoke, like he's got one little vial and he just, he hates that water. And he talks to that water about how bad he hates it and how, and one water he calls stupid all the time. And these waters, when you then look at them in a microscope, they're like black and brown and rigid and just like nasty. Like you wouldn't drink it. It would need to be put through a purifier or something. And then other waters that he tried Love, like one water, he loved it. And he told it how refreshing it was. And I love you, I love you, I love you. And it looked like snowflakes in the water. And it was like white and blues and colors. Uh, Generosity was one of them. So then once he found out there was such a drastic change in the waters, in the purification of the waters, just by speaking words to it, he set out on a quest to find out what word can purify the water most. And he found out that it was not one, but two words used together could purify water the most. Or cleanse. The word that cleanses water most powerfully, he said, is actually two words used together. It's a combination of love and gratitude. Purified the water. And the pictures are amazing, like he's got these little pictures. But this is, a, as far as I could tell from looking up and all that stuff, this guy doesn't profess to be a Christian or is not trying to find biblical, you know. He's just doing studies on water and how high-energy words can affect things. And then he says, talks about how they have how your words have creative power to create things, to speak things over stuff, even like water. Oh, 
Sounds like maybe you were created in the image of someone that has creative power in his words. The things we speak matter. We talked about in, in our worship team devotion this morning, Tyler brought up like why people carelessly name kids stuff. And then you call that kid that their whole life. And like how much that matters. What they're going to grow up to be. Don't name your kid son of Satan. And wonder why when he hits 13, he's acting like a son of Satan. <laughs> what you speak matters. And it can even change things. Listen, I thought this was pretty interesting as well. Y'all know the devil? Like personally, you'll have a relationship with him? Or no, okay, no, you know. Lucifer. The word devil is defined biblically through other ways. The same word is translated. It's the devil, Lucifer, but it's all translated the same when it's used in the Bible. And it is accuser or slanderer. And that's the same as gossip. It's to slander is to gossip. It's where we get that, that same word. So it's to accuse or to to speak bad of someone, to gossip about someone, to talk about someone. That's what the devil's name means. And it's interesting that there are three times where Scripture records the devil actually speaking. Three times in Scripture where the devil talks. It's God to man. The second is in Job, where the devil slanders man to God. The third is in Matthew, where the devil slanders the God-man, Jesus. Perhaps one of the most practical applications we can make from this observation is that we are never more like the devil than when we are defaming or speaking against another person so we've talked before about you looked most like God when you're generous when you're giving because our God is love we don't have to go in depth about it because we've talked about it several times but God is love and the number one response of love is to give so you look the most like God when you're giving you look the most like the devil when you're talking about somebody behind their back. And how many times has somebody said this to you? Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I'd say it to his face if he was here, but, oh, but he's not. <laughs> so say it to him. You get to choose. You're generous. You look like God. You look like your dad. Don't be the slanderer. So, how did God create? What does God do with his words? That's what I want to know. Because I want to grow up and be like him. So what did he do with his words? How did God create? We see it at the very start in Genesis. And we know in Genesis 1 where... It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And 
The earth was without form and void. So pretty much there was nothing. It was just a bunch of nothingness. And look what God did in verse 3, Genesis 1, verse 3. And God said or spoke, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. So... Right there in those couple of verses, we see at the very beginning that God is using his words for a couple different things. See, God uses his word to create, and then he uses his words to call. You see what we just read? He said, let there be light, and then he called the light day. Now he saw it. We're talking about what he did with the words. So, so God Created the light with a word, then he saw it, and then he called it. So God creates, and he calls things with his words. Words come from your heart. Words are tied to your belief system most of the time. The things you believe, they'll come out your mouth. Given enough time, I mean, you can put on a face and say the right things for a minute, but after I hang out with you for a while, the things that you believe, they're going to start to come out. It's tied to your heart. Really, words are just the overflow of your heart. Your mind, I'm not talking about your blood pumper. You don't get things to say from your actual blood pumper heart, the heart, the core of man, your mind, your thoughts. Your heart. Look at Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 10, verse 8. This is not going to be a long message, but it's, it's powerful. But what saith it? The word, or logos, is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith. I want the word of faith. Which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. What is he saying? If you let it out. Remember I talked a minute ago about being pregnant or what words are inside of you. Like, okay. So he said, if you will confess with your mouth. It's in you. He said the word of faith that we preach is inside of you. If you will confess it with your mouth or if you will let it out, speak that word, then what? Okay, find my place. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He said if you believe in your heart, then it comes out your mouth. You speak it.
Have you ever heard of the placebo effect? We were talking about it some yesterday while we were working. Uh, me and Benny were talking about it in a little bit, and then Dan stuck his head out the door and had some pretty interesting things to say about it too. And I've just been thinking about that and looking into it and looking it up and just how powerful our minds are. But the placebo placebo effect, you can go look up all kind of articles that explain it from WebMD to Harvard Health to Wikipedia, very well mined. It's, it's pretty easy to find some information on it. Um, but what it basically is to just to explain it in case you don't know what it is it's like if you have a sickness or an ailment or something wrong with you and you come to me and you you believe in your heart that I'm a I'm a medical professional or I'm a doctor and you trust me and I say hey here you go here's some pills and this is going to fix your problem you take one of these pills every morning at 9am and come back and see me next week let me know and I give you some sugar pills but if you believe that this is your prescription medication, what happens is people get healed because they believe that it's going to heal them. That's what's known as the placebo effect. You didn't get healed by the pill. You got healed by the belief in the pill. They say that at least one-third of all medical intervention is healing due to the placebo effect. That they're just trying something or it may work or may not or whatever, but because you believe it's going to work, it works. Like you could have just taken a sugar pill. One third. It causes you to think positive thoughts and then you start to speak them. Because you're thinking them. Because your heart and mind is full of these thoughts. Oh, I'm feeling a little better. I think that pill's working. I'm feeling stronger. Y'all, a couple more days, I should be good. You start to think it. It starts as a belief, you know, like we've been talking about. the word. It starts as a belief. And you start to believe it. And you start to think it. And you change your thinking patterns. Like, oh, Lord, I'm going to die from this brain tumor. Oh, it feels better. I didn't have a headache near as bad today. You believe it, you think it, you change your thought patterns, and then you begin to speak it. How you feeling? Much better. Sugar pill cured a brain tumor? You believe it, you think it, you start to speak it. I'm feeling much better. It's working. My, my doctor's a genius. Like, my mom thinks that garlic can heal anything. Right? She's, even when we got married, we were, me and Jesse got married, we were still teenagers. And something, I forgot what it was even wrong. Jesse had an eye, sty in her eye. It'd be a good song. Sty in my eye. My mom told her to put garlic in it. Anybody ever dumped garlic in your eyeball? And me, I had to listen to her cry about her burning eyeball for hours. But now after learning about the placebo effect, I, I realized why mom's home remedies don't work on a lot of people, but they 100% work on her. 
it's not because garlic cures everything. It's because she thinks garlic cures everything. She believes it, and then her mind cures whatever's wrong. Right? It don't work for you unless you can believe it. So if you trust her enough and she convinces you that garlic will cure it, it probably will. But it ain't the garlic. could pick something that smells better if you're going to convince yourself to believe in something. And I'm, I'm just kind of aggravating, but kind of true. The placebo effect. Then that when I started studying this and looking up stuff about it, it really made me start to wonder about stuff like that. So how much of it is the effect of the home remedy and how much of it is that I just, I believe it in my mind's that powerful that I trick myself into healing myself? I don't have an answer for that. Okay. Healing is a result of positive thinking, is what one of the studies that I read said. So, that led me to think, if placebo is a result of positive thinking, that's how they boil it down, what are the results of negative thinking? You can look that up too, but it's not talked about near as much. When you go look that up, It's equally powerful in regard to affecting your biology. A negative thought about your health, your situation, is called the nocebo effect. And it can cause any disease, and you can even die from the nocebo effect. From believing that you're going to die from something. Go look it up. You believe hard enough and long enough that you have cancer and speak it over yourself over and over and over and over. And eventually you can have. Congratulations. Or with these negative thoughts or these things that we let go over and over and we speak out our minds. You can die from a belief. Psychologists say that 70% or more of our thoughts are negative and redundant. They say we get caught up on some negative thoughts and then we go over and 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 over all those all day over and over. 70% or more of our thoughts are negative, redundant thoughts until interrupted. So what is that creating? What is that producing even just in your natural body? So doctors and psychologists agree that thoughts, positive or negative, shape our biology. Your thought patterns. And the words that we speak are the fruit of the tree. Remember we learned last week that the words we speak are fruit and we're eaten. You're eating your words. You're eating the fruit that you're speaking all day. And you are what you eat. Look at Luke 6, 43. This is Jesus talking. 
For a good tree bringeth forth, bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. So the tree is the heart, and the fruit is the mouth. Things that you speak, that's the fruit, but the tree, that's your heart. And we're going to go on to, to read a little more about it, but... They say on average we speak 16,000 words a day on average. So you got some of y'all are really bumping that average up and then there's some of y'all like Benny that are keeping it down a little bit. So some of y'all might be around the 25,000 range. But on average, we speak about 16,000 words a day. I think that makes it easy to underestimate the significance of a word. You're just talking, 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 and we, and we underestimate how significant a word can be. A timely word, a powerful word, uh, how creative our words can be, how much you speaking into the life of an eight-year-old little boy can change his whole life and he can remember it from now on. And we forget how powerful our words are. We forget how significant our words are. We forget that that's how God will use us. We speak. We speak so many words and we underestimate the significance a word can have 16,000 words a day that's the average think of it like this it's like writing a 60 page book with your words every single day that you live a 60 page book that's on average 16,000 words so every single day with your words you write a living, breathing, 60-page book. What story are you telling? You've written a lot of books. Man, some of y'all have written a whole bunch of books. I could tell by the gray hairs. You wrote a 60-page book every day you've been alive. Well, I guess the first two years, you weren't writing yet. You weren't speaking. But what story are you choosing to tell? Is it a negative story? Is it a positive story? Is it a horror story? Is it a love story? Is what, what story are you choosing to tell? Chris and Alexis are telling a love story right now. What story are you going to choose to tell? Because tomorrow you're going to write a 60-page book. Today you're only going to write a 50-page book because I'm taking up a bunch of your time right now and you're not talking. <laughs> But I write a bigger book today. I slack off on my book tomorrow. What kind of stories are you writing? The Bible warns us about being careless with our words. But it's hard. 
It's like picking up a handful of sand. And there's so many thousands of grains of sand that some of them are falling to the ground and it, it doesn't really matter because there's so many of them. Don't be careless with your words. They say the average sermon that a preacher preaches in America is about 5,000 words. Now, if I say a couple of bad words in there, y'all forget about all the other 4,998. You'll just focus on them two, the two bad words. Throw everything else out. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say what Jesus is saying right here in Luke 45. Luke 6. And we're going to start back reading in 45. Your words reveal who you are. Think about that. Your words reveal what you've been downloading into your heart. The things you put in are going to come out. Let's keep reading in verse 45. Look what else Jesus said. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Words come out. Out of the abundance of your heart, out of the overflow of your heart, words are going to come. Of the abundance. If I have an abundance of water in my house, it's flooded. Things you put in matter. Verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then act like the things I say don't matter? That's what Jesus said. Why would you say that I'm your Lord and stand in here and worship me and then act like the words that I speak and the words that I teach don't matter? You don't follow my instruction. Jesus is saying it doesn't make sense or you don't think my words are meaningful. You don't think my words are significant because you're not a doer of those words. The words are powerful. Don't act like they don't matter. So, what do words do? Well, number one, they connect us to each other. Words are how we connect. Just even on the most basic level, me meeting you, I use words. Hey, my name's Dusty. What's your name? I remember your name. We, that's how I met Jesse. Words. That's how I asked her to marry me. Words. Followed by silence. And silence and silence. And finally a word that I was looking for. That yes. Words. They, I'm going to give you two things that words do. Words connect us to each other. I want you to think about this. Anytime you have a disconnect with anyone, words were involved. I can't think of a time that I've had a disconnect. I've felt I've not been connected or I've been mad at somebody or had a problem with somebody where there were no words involved. 
If you want a good marriage, make it with your mouth. Think about what you're saying to each other. Some of y'all have a bad marriage. It's just because you have a bad mouth. You can't constantly speak death into something and expect it to be life-giving. It works across the board. I'm, I'm picking on marriages, but you can speak death over your health, your finances, over your kids, over your church. Okay, what do I do? The same vehicle that got you, the same vehicle that you got in to drive away is the same vehicle you must get in to drive back. Words take you away, words will bring you back. What if it's too late? Not too late if you're breathing. As long as you're breathing. Word took you where you got, words will bring you back. Let's keep reading these next two verses, three verses. Whosoever cometh to me, remember this is Jesus talking, and heareth my sayings, or my words, the things that I say, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Look, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to give you all an example. Whoever comes to me, listens to my words, and does them. He believes them and does them. Here's what he's like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which... The stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So, I don't know how many times you've heard that little example that Jesus gave, but I've heard it a lot. And in my mind, and I don't know the way I've taught it or been taught it or I saw something different this time when I read it and it became very obvious and clear so I've always thought about the smart guy that built his house on a nice big rock right and then the dumb guy that built his house on a sand that's not what Jesus said they both built their house on the sand a nice beachfront property but but the smart guy It said he digged deep until he hit a rock. He dug deep. He built a foundation. They both built on the sand. But one of them was willing to do the work. One of them was willing to go deep and build this thing on a rock. The other one didn't want to do the work. He didn't want to dig deep. Why? It's hard to dig deep. What if I don't hit a rock right away? Then you keep digging. I'm going to have to dig down. It's going to be painful. It's going to be work. There's going to be some sweat. But I'm building a foundation so that this thing will last. 
I don't want to build a life or a house or a family or a church and then when a big bad storm hits, it blows it down because I didn't do the hard work. I didn't dig deep and I didn't build it on a rock. They both were on the beachfront property on the sand. But one of them did the work. One of them dug deep. Jesus said three things in what we just read. If you come to me, and if you hear my sayings or my words, right? you come to him, you hear his sayings or his words, that's what we're doing right now. And number three, you do them. This is what you're like. Jesus said, here's the example. You want to build a foundation? Come to me. Everybody's welcome to come to Jesus. And a whole lot of people do. But that's the first step. And you got to hear him speak. You got to hear him, hear his words, put some significance on his words, and then do them. That's how you build the foundation. You walk it out, you do the things that he says. So that was number one words connect us to each other. And number two, and we'll wrap it up with this one words connect us to God. Words connect us back to God look at John 1 1 words connect us with God words connect heaven to earth you know that that's a powerful thing to think about that's after studying this that's part of what I was thinking about at the end of worship when I was speaking words that I felt were laid on my heart and then this popped in my mind that words Simple words from flawed humanity can connect heaven to earth. It's a pretty powerful thing. Your words. But I thought Jesus was the connection. I thought that Jesus was the bridge. Right? Jesus fixed our connection with God. And now you're standing here saying that that words are what connects us with God. Jesus did, right? John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word that is used there for Word is logos. It's a Greek word and it means the expression or declaration of a thought. Look at verse, skip down to verse 14. And the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace and truth. Jesus was the Word. John tells us that Jesus was the Word made flesh. He came and lived the living, breathing Word. This was God's Word. And He was full of grace and truth. What words are, am I supposed to speak? What are words that, that, that are going to bring life? Words that are full of grace and truth. 
God sent His Word. And then we use our words to acknowledge His Word. Why is worship so powerful? Because we're all together in unity. And we know that where there's unity, there is great power. Right? Together we stand, divided we fall. There, Jesus prayed that they would be one. We, we know that where there's unity, there's power. And so in worship, we all come together and we all say the same things. That's why the, I believe the PowerPoint ministry is so important because even if you don't know the words, even if you're not the greatest singer and you're not going to win American Idol, the point is we're speaking the same things and worship songs are designed to speak right and good things that's why so much power that's why God moves in worship services that's why you hear about people getting healed in worship service and stuff I believe is because we're all together and we're speaking out into the atmosphere the powerful words and we're agreeing with each other at what other time during the week do 50 people speak the same words and get in agreement with God at the same time over and over and over for 30 or 40 minutes? No other time in my week does that happen. That's why God moves when we're in corporate worship together. It's not that He's just not willing to move, but it's just powerful. We're just, we're all releasing the same thing. We're all agreeing with each other that whatever we're singing, that he's a way maker or that, I can't think of, that we're all surrendering together. We're all, whatever it is that we're singing, and it's powerful. We're releasing those words, and it creates an atmosphere for the voice of God. It creates an atmosphere for the power of God. We're all using words of power, positivity and faith, and we're in unity. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent His word and healed them. Look at John. John 1.14 in the Message Bible. And we'll close. It's that same verse that I just read you, but look how the message words it. The Word, this is Jesus. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory. Like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. I want to look like God. Are you generous? Because God is a giver. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. He sacrificed his precious for you. So you were created in his image. And it makes sense. That you must give and you must live a life of sacrifice to be big. To be what he's called you to be. To expand the kingdom. 
Why? Because what is sin? Really all sin can be boiled back down to greed or selfishness. Just because I want what I want or I want what feels good or I'm greedy. It can all, you can really boil all sin back down to, to greed or, or selfishness. God is generous. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped themselves. God, help us to capture our thoughts. God, help us to check our words, the things that we are releasing into our worlds, into our marriages, and things that we're speaking over our kids, the things that, that we're saying over our ministries and over our calling and our purpose and, and who we are. God, help us to check ourselves. God, if there's areas in, in my life and in our lives that, that we're speaking death, that we're speaking negativity, that, that we look more like the devil, gossiping and slandering and accusing, where we look more like him than we do you, then God, today we repent. God, today we repent for using our words to cause division. We repent for using our words to create death. God, we thank you that you already forgave us. And now we see the light. And right now, in this moment, we can make a change. And walk in the light. God, help us to dig deep. To set our foundations on stone in our homes, and our relationships, and our marriages. And God, that, that we wouldn't be afraid to put in the hard work. And that we would use every resource available to us to be the best that we can be. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, God, we don't want to just speak some positive words that would try to pump us up or self-help, self-talk. We want to speak your words because we know that that is true life and that you are truth. So God, today we align our hearts and our minds with you. We love you. We thank you for your power and your presence. We thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.